it is great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us for our Genesis gathering this morning. Those of you that are doing so by live stream and Facebook, we welcome you. And for those of you that are in the sanctuary this morning, blessing on you. That was Reckless Love. Great, great song. And it's um, it's uh, just, you know, uh, we, we work. Every week you hear me say a little bit about this, that we work hard to find uh, videos that we can share. Uh, not only on the general live stream that goes out over our church website, but also over the Facebook site. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that. In just a minute, Lisa and Matt are going to come and lead us in worship. And before they do, let me bring a couple of things to your attention. If you are uh, listening via our website, be aware that you can also listen on Facebook. I know a lot of you have converted over there to Facebook. You've just stopped listening on the website. You've gone over to the Facebook site. Let me just quickly mention to you, if you do that, there is a possibility that every once in a while, something that we uh, use, um, a video typically, a worship song, um, but lots of different things could, a clip uh, of something that we play, can potentially get blocked. We work hard not to have that happen. We continue to do so and are getting copyright uh, protections lined up and licensing and all that. But uh, the, the fact is sometimes that happens. If the screen, when you're viewing on Facebook, ever just goes black, it's because of that. Um, I'm sure nine times out of ten it would have to be that. You can jump right over to the, the website and watch us there. So uh, do share this live stream event with friends. Invite them along. Send them the link to the church website or to the Facebook page. Also, we would uh, love to have your participation in our donations. You can do that in a number of ways, but the two most popular are to go to the website and click on the donate button that's on the uh, homepage. Or you can do what's over my shoulder here being displayed in a slide, which is you can text to give. Literally, you text the word give to 720-730-8510. Those of you that are just listening to this audio and not watching it by video, I want you to be able to participate as well. Text the word give to 720-730-8510. The scripture talks about, and this is New Testament, Paul the Apostle taught that we should not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the grain. That's a reference to paying the proverbial salary of your leadership and your pastors, being involved in giving and blessing and being sure that the needs of the church and the staff and all that goes on during the week are taken care of. And even during this pandemic, where we are only allowed to have a certain number in the sanctuary and uh, most things are being done by live stream, then uh, I want you to know that the costs of running the church haven't really gone down. In fact, in some ways they've increased because of all the effort to bring these gatherings to you via live stream. So if you've never given, never donated to the live stream and the messages that you are receiving through the live stream, that we present here at Genesis, I'd invite you to do so. We're going to be celebrating communion uh, a little bit later in the service. At, actually, I'm going to do it not at the end of service. I want to do it after the end of worship, all right? So for those of you that are watching by live stream, if you would, 
Uh, if you'd like to participate in uh, our communion service, then go and get yourself the elements. Do that quickly. Do it during the uh, next few moments, if you would. Slip out, get those elements for the bread and the juice or the bread and the wine, and we'll receive communion together. You can join us in doing that. I have something else that I want to mention to you. I'll go ahead and just say a word about it now and explain a little bit further later on in our service. But that is that is something I brought up last week. And this is our last Sunday. In fact, it is the last day for us to do anything about this. And that is that one of the computers, and I'm looking at it right now, that's in our back media area, that uh, enables us to present this live stream to you and take care of all of the media that we do. One of the two computers has reached the end of its lease. And that means it either has to be turned in and given up and go back, or we have to buy it outright. It is the only remaining asset that we have that is in that particular situation. We have other leases and so forth on equipment, copiers, and computers, but all of those are on a dollar buyout. Essentially, at the end of the lease, we own it. But on this last remaining asset that was on this type of lease, it's not true. It's $750 to buy it outright. Okay, if we if we turn it in, we lose an asset that, frankly, we can't afford to lose, and we're not in a position to go get a new computer to replace it or lease another computer. I'm bringing this to your attention because I'd like you to help us keep this computer. Now, several people responded to this advertisement last week, and I want to thank you. We have to date, I believe, $300 that has been given towards the $750. So for all of you that are listening, if you've been blessed by this broadcast, if you've been helped by the messages that come weekly through the live stream, and uh, those of you that have been watching by Facebook, you're not really even a part of Genesis, but you've been helped or blessed by this live stream feed and the messages that are going out, would you get in touch with us and make a donation towards keeping that media computer? We the reason I said this is our last day to do it, because literally I have to call the leasing company tomorrow and I have to tell them I have a check for $750 or I'm boxing the computer up and I'm turning it back in. It is a hard, fast deadline because they've already extended it once. So I'm sorry that I'm even having to take time to do this, but you know, uh, this is the reality of running a church, and this is what your gifts and your donations, your offerings, your tithes go to, very practical things. And so here's what you can do if you'd like to participate, all right? And every amount matters. Your $25, your $50, your $100. We could knock this out very quickly if those of you listening to me right now would make a contribution of some amount whatever Jesus puts on your heart. Here's how you can give or donate. You can text the word give and then put in the amount that you want to give. Again, that number is 720-730-8510. Or you can go to the website and click on the donate button on the homepage. Or you can call me after the service or any time over this weekend. Call me before tomorrow at 720 720- 878-8899. Again, 720-878-8899. And let me know what you'd like to donate. As long as I have your pledge and your commitment, 
We'll go ahead and write the check to the leasing company and, and secure the asset, and then uh, we can take care of receiving your donation. I'm going to ask Matt and Lisa to come now and to bless us in worship. Good morning, guys. It's great to have you. Thank you each week for the tremendous job that you do. We love you. We appreciate you. And all of you, uh, let's thank Jesus for our worship leaders. Good morning, everybody. We want you to join us in worship this morning, so stay in wherever you are, and uh, obviously you're looking at a screen somewhere, so uh, just sing along with us, worship, and sing hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies, I raise a hallelujah, louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah, heaven comes to fight for me, and I'm gonna say in the middle of the storm, louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar, up from the ashes, hope will arise. Louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder. My way. 
Hallelujah. We thank you for life and breath. We thank you for sunshine. We thank you for your provision, Father. We thank you for watching over us and taking care of us. We love you. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath. Weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. How he loves us so, oh, how he loves us, how he loves us so. He is jealous for me, he loves like a hurricane, I am a tree. Weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. 
I believe this is a perfect atmosphere and song for us to continue and have our communion together. So I know our media team has already been given the cup and the juice. And I'm going to get mine and serve Matt and Lisa and then let's receive communion together. in which Jesus was betrayed. He took the cup after supper and said, this is my blood. He took the bread, he broke it, and he gave it to each of his disciples at that last supper. He said, this is my body, which is given. God's given us everything. Ask yourself, what have I received of his everything? I'm, I'm not asking you to surrender. That's, that's the common. What have you surrendered? Oh, come on, you can surrender more. It's not about what I surrender. It's about what he surrendered, what he gave up. It's not really about me receiving him. It's about the fact that he received us. So my question today is, what have I received? that he's already done for me. As we take the bread, that represents what he has done for us. He gave his life, he gave his body. So as you take now of the bread and you eat, then we're saying, I am one with him. What he did, he did for me and I receive it. It's not I surrender, it's Lord, I receive you receiving me, taking me into yourself and making me one with you. Let's celebrate this morning and take the bread. something as Matt continues to play before we take the cup there's somebody listening to us and participating with us right now via the live stream and you've had something going on with your nasal passages and I don't mean just a runny nose I mean it's serious uh, you either need surgery or you need surgery that hasn't worked. It's serious what's going on, and it has stopped you from having the abundant life. And then there are others, maybe in the room, others that are watching our live stream feed. And you say this morning, you know, I, I need a healing 
I need to partake of the broken body of Jesus, which was broken for me. So I want you to take your hand, the one that that, and it, it could be more than one, but I know there's one listening to us right now. You need surgery, or you've had surgery that didn't correct what was wrong with your nasal passages. Just touch your nose. Touch your nasal passage in some area, and I'm going to believe with you right now for a supernatural healing through the body that was broken for you. And for the rest of you, you might need healing in some area of your body. Could you touch? Could you reach and touch that knee? Could you reach and touch that, that elbow or that, that leg, that arm right now? If you're with somebody who's needing the healing, could you just reach out and love to them and place a hand on them? Let's believe together. Jesus, you, your body was broken so that we might be made whole. Isaiah prophesied and said, by your stripes we are healed. Peter picked up on that and said, by his stripes we were, past tense, healed. Jesus, when you were performing one of your crusades, you quoted Isaiah the prophet and said, this healing miracle throughout this crusade, these miracles that we're witnessing right now are because Jesus would die and his body would be broken. So right now I release your nasal passages and I speak a healing to whatever's wrong with your nasal passages. That the, that the great physician is doing a surgery that medicine could not perform right now. And for the rest of you, be released in your body, in your mind, in your physical, your emotional, your psychological. Be released from that bondage right now and be healed. Let's take the blood uh, the cup, which is represented here by the Jews. Let's take and drink. Because what we're doing as we do is we're saying, Lord, not only am I one with you, not only has your body healed me, but you spilt your blood, you gave your blood to sign the deal. All right, it's done, it's past tense. Signature is on it with his blood. Let's take, let's drink. No, but we're glad that, again, that you've joined us. I have been sharing, started a new series, in fact, entitled Our Hope. And I've been sharing some interesting ideas on some common, commonly misunderstood, commonly misinterpreted passages of Scripture having to do with presence, having to do with the presence of Jesus, having to do with his coming in his presence. And today I've entitled this message, Hope is Not a Future Event. Hope is not a future event. Say it with me. Hope is not a future event. Jeff, am I dying? Yesterday I was standing next to my mother's bedside, 100 years old, in hospice care at home with us, and she made that statement. She asked me that question. Um, it caught me a little off guard because 
I'd never heard, never heard her express in quite that way the reality that we are dealing with as we are providing her hospice care now at this time in our lives. Jeff, am I dying? How many of you know you're going to die? And how many of you know that this life is just really preparation for a great graduation into the next? That, that dying isn't bad. It's not evil. It's not, all right? Uh, I, 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 I'm not believing to die early. I don't, I don't want to die before my time. But actually, dying is a graduation to something even greater. Dying is part of life. It's not the end of life. It's the beginning of a whole new life in the presence of Jesus. We talked about it, my mother and I, and I told her very plainly, yes, Mom, you are. You're dying. And the disease that you have is inoperable. And unless there's an intervention and a miracle... Uh, you will die from this. And, and so what I tried to help my mom with in terms of her thoughts was all that she's headed for, all that she's not giving up, but all that she's going into and going to graduate into. Hope is not a future event. Last time we shared, I talked about this phrase, the opium of beyond. It's a phrase that Jürgen Motman coined, the opium of beyond. My fear is that many Christians today are drunk. They're drugged with an opium of the beyond of getting to heaven. It'll be better in heaven. And they've given up on earth. They've given up on relationships. They've given up on making a difference. They've given up on believing for and having God's promises realized in their life now, in this lifetime. And I say to you that it's the presence of Jesus that's our hope, not escaping so we looked at, for a, a few moments, the passage in 1 Thessalonians where Paul talks about the great second coming of the Lord. And the terminology used in that passage is to be caught up to meet the Lord when he comes, that we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, it's, it's not my purpose this morning to go back to that or to exegete that, but I will say this. It's very unfortunate that the terminology used by Paul there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 has been hijacked by evangelical Christianity to suggest that our ultimate hope is to leave, that our, that our ultimate hope, the great hope as it's called, is to escape, to get out of here. And that was not Paul's thinking, and that was... Not what Paul meant by his words, and it's a, it's a grave misinterpretation of that passage. 
The presence of Jesus is our hope, not leaving, not being raptured. His presence here and now is our hope. And God's presence is now in all of your circumstances. Your circumstances are pregnant with his promise. My son-in-law and I were at lunch this past week, and we were talking about many of our respective circumstances. And between the two of us, uh, we dealt with a number of very raw emotional feelings. And if we didn't know better, if we didn't know the presence of Jesus, if, if we weren't both plugged into the presence of Jesus, if, if we weren't both in love with Jesus and sitting there reassuring each other with confident words about but the presence, but Jesus, but the promises of God's word, I could see where we would have no hope. I mean, there's some serious things going on. There's serious things going on in your life that have caused you to be overwhelmed and hopeless. There's serious things going on in our world. My goodness, in any given week, the news cycle alone would cause you to lose hope. Lose hope in humanity, lose, lose hope in our culture, lose hope in community, lose hope that the finances could be different or be better or, or change. And then, of course, there's that ultimate hope that when you leave this earth, when you leave this life, you're going to live a much better one in eternity. Well, I don't think, first of all, that it should be much better from the standpoint of his promises are real now. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We should be living an abundant life down here on earth. And yet, though, we do encounter the sorrows, the difficulty, the judgments, the sin that's still in the earth. We encounter that, and we live in a, a brokenness, both in our lives and in our society and our communities and our financial world, our political world. We live in such brokenness that sometimes hope is robbed. Hope is taken from us. But there's nothing like a misinterpretation of scriptures, bad theology, to rob you of the precious hope that we should be living in and walking in through the presence of Jesus. Let me give you three common passages that lend themselves to an unfortunate misunderstanding of God's presence. Number one. Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Psalm 95, verse 2, enter his presence with thanksgiving. Both of those suggesting that his presence is out there and you're here, that there's a distance, and that dependent upon what you do, you, if you do it right, can enter or you can have access to. We sing this, we teach this. I've believed for many, many years that I needed to do something. I needed to sing, I needed to rejoice, I needed to be happier, I needed to be a better Christian, I needed to be more moral, I needed to love my wife more deeply, I needed to do whatever your list is. I needed to do these things in order to get into his presence. In other words, I could leave his presence. You're either in his presence or you're not. And boy, is it easy to leave. 
<laughs> I mean, any, anything that might go wrong or anything that you might think wrong or anything that you might believe wrong, or if you're not singing enough or if you're not rejoicing the right way with the right songs, all of a sudden you're out of his presence. So what we have to do is enter his presence. I was taught that that's the way you're supposed to start every gathering, every church service. We need to be sure that the music's just right, that it's up-tempo, that it's, you know, has the right words so that we can enter because God's over there. God's out there. We're not in his presence to start with. See, we've got to go get in his presence. He doesn't open his gates. That's the second half of the scripture in Psalm 100. He doesn't open his gates to just anybody. He opens them to people that are operating in the right kind of faith, singing the right kind of songs, and, and doing enough praise long enough that we feel the anointing and we get into his presence. Here's another one, Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that I referred to. I quote, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not proceed those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. The misinterpretation of that is in that one word translated by most modern translations, coming. So we perceive and we conceive the coming of the Lord as a point in time. Jesus is going to come. And what that does is it lends itself to the same misinterpretation and misunderstanding of Psalm 100 and Psalm 95 that God's distant, God's out there, and that it's something I have to do to earn, to get good enough, do the right process in order to get into his presence. So like with this interpretation of Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 4, we see Jesus as having gone away after his resurrection and that he will come again in his parousia or parousia. That's the Greek word for coming. However, this word parousia does not mean a point in time. It means presence. The point in time invention, and it is an invention, it's only about 150 to 200 years old, this whole application to Psalm 100, Psalm 95, Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 4, this whole application is only about 150 years old, applied by Western evangelicals to these precious passages, and then teaching that this coming of the Lord is both a point in time and something we have to go do, something we have to go get into, earn. And it sabotages the fundamental meaning of this Greek word, parousia, or parousia. Parousia means presence, not coming. And if parousia meant coming, its, its antonym would be going. Right? If parousia meant coming, then its antonym would be going. So consider this verse. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only as in my presence, parousia, only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul wasn't talking about going and coming. He was talking about his presence and that when he's absent, he hasn't left, but that his presence is no longer there, absent. So parousia or parousia denotes a state, not an action. It's not something Christ does. It's a state of being. So parousia, and we, we talked about this last week, it is not about endings. It's about beginnings. The hope and the promises of God are to be realized in his people now, today. Our great hope isn't when Jesus comes. Our great hope is his now presence in our life, in our circumstances, each and every day. So this opium of leaving, this escapism mentality, reduces the hope of God to just the life beyond that we will have in heaven. It reduces the message of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom to transform, li transform lives. It reduces, it takes the life out of renewing life. It, it takes all the force and the power and the beauty out of changing our world and making a difference, being salt and light. So I say to you that parousia is not merely a future event. No, it's far more intricate. It includes the first coming of Jesus at Christmas. It includes the second coming of Jesus, which is a future event and will happen, and it will happen bodily where he will return to the earth. And then you take these two comings, and in the middle you have this whole life that we have here on earth where we are to be living the kingdom, living his presence, enjoying the hope of God in us, God with us. One person put it this way, the risen crucified, the risen crucified. I was so pleased this morning when I happened to catch a part of Pastor West's sermon, the service that was held here at St. John's Lutheran prior to our own. And I heard, I heard Pastor West refer to the very passage that I want to point your attention to or direct your attention to now. It's found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 27, verses 13 through 15 is what I'll read, and then verses 30 through 32. It's an account of two disciples of Jesus who are on a particular road walking to a destination. It's called the road to Emmaus. It begins this way. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them. Jesus himself came up and walked with them. 
Now, this wasn't like a second coming. This was presence. Jesus just was present. (laughs) He wasn't walking from a distance. They didn't turn around and see him running, trying to catch up. He just was present immediately, now, present, parousia, parousia. Now, let's jump down to verse 30, and before we do, so a conversation between Jesus and these two disciples ensues. And he begins unfolding to them revelation about himself from the Old Testament scriptures. And all during this conversation, they don't realize that it's Jesus. They're getting towards the end, near to Emmaus, and Jesus pretends to want to keep going. He's just going to keep walking. And they stop him and say, no, no, don't, please, it's getting dark. Stay with us. And they talk him into to staying. I don't believe that they had to talk him into it. I think that it was an intentional, intentional on his part that he made it seem like he was going to keep going, that he, he you know, he was going to leave the relationship. Listen to me now. Apply this to your own lives. How often have you thought that it was God's intention to leave you in the circumstances that you're in that right now you seem hopeless? They're overwhelming. Those bills have piled up and you'll never get them paid. That sickness you're wrestling with, you will, you, you will have it all the rest of your life. On and on and on it goes. The issues that we've experienced as a culture from the pandemic and from the fallout of that politically and financially in our uh, financial world and systems. There's no hope. And people have gotten less hopeful now in our culture. It's pervasive. Even Christians, I've been losing hope, leaving church, not attending any longer. I mentioned last week, several mega church pastors have either deconstructed and denounced their faith or committed suicide. How do you get to that place of hopelessness? Well, one of the ways is by this lousy misinterpretation of modern evangelicalism where we put the presence of God out there, something to be obtained, something I have to get good enough to have, be good enough to earn and have, or to walk into. I have to, I have to get into his presence. I have to do the right things to get there. And Paul's words, where we're leaving the great hope of real substantive worth and value in life up to the end when we're raptured out of here, we escape out of this mess, and we go to live with Jesus in the beyond. What a mess that whole doctrine of rapture and escapism is. I am not hoping to escape anything. I am hoping, my hope is in his presence, And the more revelation, the more uncovering I get of his presence, then the greater my hope is to go through my circumstances. Because remember, your circumstances are pregnant with possibilities. Your circumstances are pregnant with the promise of God that he's there, he's with you, he's never left you, he will deliver you, he will bring you through whatever you're going through right now, here in this life. Quit hoping for the beyond. 
Quit putting your faith and your hope in a rapture to get out of here. Start believing that the promises of God are true for you now in your circumstances. You are pregnant with possibility. You are pregnant with the ability of God to give you a fresh hope and to change what you're going through. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And the scripture says, and he disappeared out of their sight. Just gone. He appeared to them. He just, his presence was there with them on the road. And then here at dinner, he begins to serve them communion. Their eyes are open. They recognize. And he does what God has commanded. I, I don't necessarily understand it, but I know it is his purpose for us here on the earth. He does with these two the same thing that he's done with all of us. He physically, from sight, leaves. He disappears. But his presence is still there, giving them hope, changing them. My faith is in him as my Savior and Lord and in his presence. It is not in a great hope of the beyond. His now presence, song you can sing that will bring you closer than his now presence right now in your life. There's no worship service that will bring you closer to Jesus than his now presence, his parousia, his parousia that happens to be your reality. It is our reality, his parousia. So through his presence, he elicits a desire in us, a desire for further company. And then he vanishes. But then the scripture says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. How is that possible? Certainly seems like he's out there. Certainly seems like he's left and gone to heaven, right? No. He is right now immediately with you in every circumstance, no matter what you're going through. And those circumstances are pregnant with promise, with hope. And it's his presence now that is my hope. I was thinking about this, especially after our conversation, Matt, this week. I was, I was thinking more about my own circumstances and how I get caught up in the overwhelming, overwhelmingness sometimes of discouragement, of disappointment. How about this one? Have you ever said this? I didn't sign up for this. Come on now. Let me see your hand. How many of you have ever said, I did not sign up for this? <laughs> Matt and I were talking about that very phrase. I, you know, I just, I didn't sign up for this. Man, there's so many things in my life over the past two years in particular, I didn't sign up for. But I got to thinking about our conversation, Matt, and I got to thinking about this message that God has given me. That hope is not a future term. It's not a future reality. It's a right now. He is with us. Now I begin to realize, you know what? As much as I say I believe in Jesus, as much as I confess and say, oh yeah, I believe the Bible. I believe every word in the Bible. I believe in Jesus. Do we? 
one of the phrases that I learned as a very young teenage Christian was this one. It's day at a time. Now that's common. That's a secular one. But this one. And that we should practice the presence of Jesus. I thought I knew what that meant. Hey, everybody, I'm, I'm here to make a confession. I had no idea what that meant. I have a better idea of what it means now. As you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 from Francois' translation, listen. I, I hope this does in you. It went off in me like a firecracker. Listen, quote, that God is, in terms of his coming, that God is stepping out of the invisible heavenly realm. There is a day where Jesus is going to return bodily, physically to this earth. There is a day when Jesus is going to step out of that invisible heavenly realm called the second coming of Christ. But I'm telling you that right now, every day in our lives, if we will believe him, if we will just trust him with our circumstances, trust him with our lives, he will step out of that invisible heavenly realm into your world. And he will explode your world with possibilities and transformation and hope. Here's what I've come to understand. That in a certain sense, I am the presence of God on the earth. Here's a couple of scriptures. 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God and through Christ. Paul says his presence is in us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 21. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. It's right around the corner. Presence. Jesus hasn't left. Don't give up. Hope is not a future event. Don't be drugged with this opium of the beyond. Know that the presence of Jesus is our hope, not escaping. And I want to leave you with this one last thought here, and I've already mentioned it. Look, look up here, everybody, look up here. Watch the screen. It'll, it'll be on, on the slide in our live feed right here. And for those of you in the sanctuary, it'll be here on the screen. God's presence is now. And all our circumstances are pregnant with his promise. I want to pray with you. I want to pray that God delivers you from this theology of distance, this, theolo this theology of that Christ has left and somehow he's coming, this theology that you have to enter this theology that if you do the right thing, sing the right thing, you'll come into his presence. I, 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 and please don't misunderstand me. I, I, have, I, I, I've, I have been living and walking with Christ now for uh, over 45 years. 40 of those years I have been in ministry, full-time ministry as a pastor. I know what it's like to be under the anointing. I know what it's like to be in services that are dripping with the presence of God. And you just long for that reality to, 
to, to be something you could take home with you. If you could bottle it, you would. I, I know what those feelings are like. I, I, I know what that awareness is like. I believe in anointing. I, I believe in corporate anointing. I believe in the power of God, the manifest presence of God. I know that the manifest presence of God comes in corporate settings in a way that it doesn't come. It's uniquely different. It's supposed to be not better, but uniquely different in corporate settings in a corporate environment than in my personal prayer time. I understand all of that. But I'm talking about an underlying theology that has you believing God leaves. That Jesus gets up and walks away. And now I, I have to do something to get back into his presence. No, no, no. Absolutely not. You are immediately right now in as much of his presence as you will ever have on this earth. And so I say to you, your circumstances are pregnant. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God would deliver all of us from this poor theology of believing Christ has left to a new awareness and revelation of his parousia, his parousia, of his now presence. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would break the stronghold that has come upon the church of Jesus Christ through poor teaching that places you at a distance. It's like being back in the garden where we messed up and now you've put us out of the garden and left us to fend for ourselves. It, it has that sense to it. And God, I ask you to deliver us from the wrong teaching, the wrong understanding of the Psalms, these beautiful Psalms that somehow I, I have to get into that the gate is closed until I do the right thing, sing the right song. God, set us free of that. May it happen to you. May you experience this turn up, this increase, this, this joy, this awareness, this uncovering of his presence this week in a way that you never have before. I pray it upon all of you in the name of Jesus. We're going to close our service. Jeff, I know you have a song for them there. Hey, everybody. I want to remind you, one of the vehicles that makes it possible for us to bring you this is a computer that's within my line of sight right here that tomorrow I have to call and either say to the lender, I, I have a check, I'm sending it, or I'm boxing it up, I'm sending it back. I need your help to keep it. We already have $300 of the $750. I only need $400. I'll do the $50. I'll, I'll put in $50. All right? So I need $400. Would you please, everyone listening to me, do what you can. Follow God. Follow your heart. And contact us sometime between now and in the morning just to let me know. You don't even have to perform on it. Let me know you're going to send it or you'll perform on it, all right, that amount, whatever it is, and then we'll go ahead and write the check to the lender. It is the last asset that we have in our presence that we will be in this situation with, all right? You help us. We can continue to deliver these great messages to you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord Jesus.
Louder 